There's a little black, or gray box right up here. That used to be a clock. And I would come here and there'd be a clock there, there'd be a clock there, and they never were in sync. I always went by the slow one. The audience always went by the fast one. And we didn't always meet. But it is an honor to be with you. Childing is hard. I may owe an apology to those of you with obsessive compulsive disorder because childing may be something that's hard for you to grasp because I'm not sure it's a word. But if it's not, it needs to be. But you could look at this topic and say, well, he's going to talk about children being obedient to their parents, so kind of the flip side of what I did last night, but that's not my assignment. We're talking this afternoon about a time of an adult child dealing with elderly parents and elderly relatives. The subject of honoring our parents is absolutely crucial because all throughout scriptures we are told to do that. In the Decalogue, Exodus 20 and verse 12, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. And we must take it seriously because all throughout the Bible we are told to honor our parents. Honoring our parents is, should be, one of the highest callings and greatest tasks of our lives. There are two great family tasks as I see them. The first, we talked about last night, raising children, bringing them up from absolute dependence of the womb to independence of adolescence and maturity of Christian adulthood. The second great task of the family is caring for our elderly parents or elderly relatives. And that's sometimes very hard because it often involves deterioration of the body, sometimes deterioration of the mind. Raising children, as we talked about last night, can be hard, but it's often accompanied by the joy of seeing them grow up, become mature, responsible, and independent. Caring for our parents is not as clearly rewarding because it often culminates in the process of death, and yet it is to be a joyful experience. I've been asked before I go into this in great specificity to comment on Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 through 4, which are very familiar to you. I will read them and then make a few comments on them. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I know we've discussed that, you've studied it. The specific questions that I think I was asked to comment on there is this idea of obeying and honoring. Obeying is the act. That's what we do. Honoring is the attitude. And that's why we do the obedience. But there are some specific questions that are asked here. Does this mean that regardless of our age, And regardless of our parents' age, we are to obey them until they die. I don't believe that's what this is saying, and I'll share with you some reasons for that. The word here for children is the word that is often used in in the in in scriptures. Tignon. And it often 
refers to younger children, but it is sometimes used for adults as they are the children or the pupils of a teacher. And John used the passage in maybe more than one, but I, I noticed one in which uh, the Apostle John, I think, was talking about his dear children. This wasn't his infants. This was people that he had maybe taught or had or had uh, admonished. Are we to obey our parents for a lifetime until they die? I don't believe that's the tenor of Scripture, and I'll share with you a few reasons why. In Genesis 2 and 24, a man is told to leave his parents and cleave unto his wife. That doesn't say don't obey your parents, but it does seem to indicate a new relationship that if push comes to pull, might supersede the relationship of the parents. Hopefully it doesn't. But it, it, but it could. There were children who were sent away by God, away from their parents. Daniel, Samuel, Abraham, Joseph, who couldn't obey their parents because they weren't in proximity to their parents. They didn't know the wishes anymore of their parents. I believe the concept of obeying is one that is somewhat transitional. There comes a time when a child crosses into adulthood. I don't know the age that happens because it happens different for each person. It happens based upon maybe the maturity of that particular person. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse, uh, pardon me, chapter 13, verse 11, Paul comments about, when I became a man, I gave up childish things. The concept of growth changes the relationship. I may have said 2 Corinthians. That's probably 1 Corinthians. It's Corinthians. Okay? Under God's guidance, we transition into separate, self-determining individuals. Our decisions as we grow are made more on our understanding of what is right than simply submission to our parents. It's when we grow and leave the home that the parents' report card really becomes begins to come in. How well did I raise my children? Well, I didn't really know, and maybe I still don't know, but I didn't know until they left and started making decisions on their own because the job of a parent is to raise the children so they'll make right decisions on their own, not because they're simply obeying. I do also believe there is a difference between obeying and honoring doesn't mean we should dispense with parental wisdom. Last night when I was talking to you, I was talking basically about the parent who was over the child and training him and bringing him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But that relationship is not static. It begins immediately to slowly change. And at some point, maybe when the child is 20 or 30 and the parent is 50 or 55, they really become peers. They become friends. They help each other. But if life goes on long enough, that pendulum continues to some point, the child is taking care of the parent, just like the parent was taking care of the child. And many of you have been through that. Some of you are going through that. And that's the subject that we have been asked to comment on as we go through this. Provoke not the children. I think the tenor of these four verses, not the exclusive tenor of these four verses, but the tenor of these four verses is largely dealing with the home. And while the child is in the home, 
I do, however, believe honor continues past that, not because of this particular passage in Ephesians 6, but because of all of the many other passages in the Bible that tell us, honor your mother and father when they are old. I think it continues, and it's a task that we are to do. Honoring our parents confronts the Christian with numerous challenges, which can be a source of a lot of agony, a lot of guilt, and a lot of joy. We may have to decide whether an elderly parent live in our home with us, or whether to place them in a care facility. Not an easy decision to make. Sometimes it's obvious, but many times it's not. You may have to decide whether to pull the plug on your parents and cease the mechanical continuation of their life. That brings joy to some of the faces I'm looking at, but that wasn't intended to be that. But it's something that does occur. We pulled the plug on my father-in-law. I was fortunate with my dad. I didn't have to pull the plug on him. He got sick on Monday. He was dead on Sunday. It was very quick. Fairly painless, I think. But with all the challenges that can beset us, caring for our elderly relatives and elderly parents, you would expect there to be a lot of Christian literature on what to do and how to do it. There's a lot of Christian literature on how to be a good parent and raise your children. Well, it, it's not all good, but some there's a lot of it. But there's not a lot of material on how to handle your elderly parents, and yet the Bible clearly tells us, I believe, to do that. I think one of the difficulties is that our culture, and there's been talk this weekend about our culture, tends to hinder and oppose our efforts to honor our parents. The culture of the Near East, for instance, is much has a much higher regard for those in position of authority, and parents in particular, than our culture does. Today, the Chinese, for example, undergird honoring their parents through an unbiblical practice of ancestor worship. And we're not to worship anybody but God. But having said that, there is something appealing to me to having such a high regard for one's parents and one's ancestors that I think the Lord would applaud. We need to remember this is a tremendous time of transition for both the adult child and the parent. Because there is a passing of power, there's a passing of responsibility that is seemingly inevitable, but not necessarily enjoyable. I was standing in this pulpit June 20, 1996. It was a Thursday, and we had spent a week on the family. Well, Thursday night was my the time that I was to talk about the empty nest and elderly parents. I had my, I remember it as if it was yesterday. I had my material. I thought I, I thought I, I, I had everything I wanted to say, but it just wasn't coherent. It just didn't tie together. And if you've given talks, you know that feeling. I spent three hours in the library trying to find something that would tie it together. And I found this quote that I used, I used for the first time. It's been used many times and some of you may have heard me use it. It's from a lady by the name of Irma Bombeck, who's now dead. She was a humorist. And it's been my experience, not always, but when a humorist gets serious, you might want to listen, because they usually have something they nail. 
I want to read it for you again. And some of you might have been here when I used it for the first time or used it another time. A lot of you weren't even born then. The transition, it's entitled, When Did I Become the Parent and the Parent Become the Child? The transition comes so slowly, the change of power, the shifting of responsibility, the passing down of duty. When did it all start? Was it the first year you had your parents over for Thanksgiving and you find yourself roasting the turkey while your mother sets the table? Was it the first time you rushed to grab their arm as they walked over the ice? Or when you first said, sit still, if you want me to help you? Or the first time they asked you to look over their checkbook? Or when you threw out your arm to protect them from the windshield when you had to stop suddenly? As your children are growing strong and independent, your own parents are becoming more childlike and dependent. It wasn't supposed to be this way. All the years we were bathed, dressed, fed, advised, disciplined, ordered, and cared for, and had our every need anticipated. We wanted our turn to come when we'd be in charge. Now it's here and we're sad. You now bathe and dry the body that once cared for you. You feed the lips which once kissed your cuts and bruises and made them well. You comb the hair that once playfully cascaded over your face and made you laugh. You balance the checkbook that once allowed you such a happy childhood. You arrange the covers over the one who used to tuck you in. Their naps are now as frequent as yours used to be. They now need the babysitter and daily supervision. And then one day, while riding with your teenager, they slam on the brakes and throw out their arm instinctively to protect you from the windshield. And you think, so soon. And so it is. It's a time of great transition. It's a time of transition for the elderly. That frustration that they feel with their inability to do as they have always done. Maybe to care for their home, care for their car, care for their finances, even care for themselves. And if you and I live long enough, that's going to be us. They don't want to be a burden. You wish they would because it's easier to fix things early than late. It's hard to admit these things. And it can lead to stubborn fighting not wanting to bother, and having to face their own mortality. It's one thing to theologically and intellectually say, I know I'm going to die. It must be quite another thing to see it so closely in the future. But it's also a tremendous time of transition for the children. Added work. Sometimes hard work. A need for greater impatience. You thought you needed patience raising your children. You just wait. You may need more patience Caring for your parents. The sadness of seeing them falter. With all of the memories you have of how wonderful they cared for you. Trying to figure out how to help them without destroying their dignity. I think that's a key element right there. And it causes us to face our own mortality. One of the things that happens when your parents die, and mine are both dead now, is you're next in line. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to die soon. It doesn't mean I'm going to live long. But generationally, we're next. And that's a sobering thought. As long as your parents are alive, you just don't quite think of it the way you do once your parents die. At least I did. Life is an interesting journey that many times ends so like it began. 
A helpless infant depends on his family to care for his many needs. Likewise, elderly parents often find themselves unable to meet all of their needs as time passes on. It can be mental, it can be physical, it can be emotional that put an elderly person in need of care. And there's a great difference throughout the caring process. While it is natural for a parent to care for an infant, it is humbling and sometimes humiliating for parents to admit they need help on a daily personal basis. And as the children of God, as faithful children to our parents, we need to make that transition as easy for them as possible and our duty to them as full as possible. How are some families... How were some families cared for in the Bible? Well, we don't have a lot of detail on this, but Joseph lived a long ways from his aging father, Jacob. But when he was able to, he moved Jacob down to Egypt and cared for him in his latter years. Now, the famine had some impact on that, but it was a time for him to care for his father. Ruth migrated with her mother-in-law into her mother-in-law's country and worked tirelessly to care for her. Jesus shortly before he died, looked down and designated a caregiver for his mother. Certainly on his mind. The elderly can often be seen as burdens rather than blessings. We don't admit that, but in our hearts, sometimes that is the way I think we feel. Sometimes we are quick to forget the sacrifices they made for us when they were in need of care themselves. We had the privilege, and I'll call it a privilege, of moving my mother up to be closer to us for the last six, seven years of her life. And I would, Donna or I would go down and visit her every day. I don't say that braggingly, it's just a fact. But I thought back, I was able to go to college because my mom let me use her car while she was stranded at work for me to drive to and from college. And that went on for three and a half years. Did I tell her thank you? Well... If I did, it wasn't often enough. And it was a real joy to maybe reciprocate just a little bit. Just a little bit. She used to hum in the car when we were driving. That drove me nuts. Oh, I'd love to hear her hum in the car right now. That was my immaturity. That was my failure to realize what a wonderful person she was for me anyway. I think there are several factors that tend to undermine, in America, under honoring our parents. One of them is the impact of technology. In previous generations, fathers were often craftsmen, and their son would learn that craft, be it woodworking, be it, be it whatever. And it would take them years to learn that craft. By the time they learned it, their fathers were rather aged and were maybe had even died. Now, a child at elementary school can be learning things their parents never even heard of. I wouldn't want to try to do the math some of you elementary students are doing. I do know 2 plus 2 equals 4. But I don't know this modern math. And what that sometimes causes is for a younger generation to think their parents are out of date, antiquated in thinking. In a society where knowledge is prized over wisdom, and ours does that, an older generation can easily be unrespected, left alone, and not honored by the younger generation. Secondly, I think because of the rapid increase of the family dissolving through divorce, children are often encouraged to honor one parent over the other. 
And you've all probably seen cases where parents will battle for the affections of their children and really get upset if a child has affection for one for the ex-mate. What a tragedy that is. But it leaves children not knowing which way's up. And thirdly, if it is possible to pin blame for our problems on somebody else, and our society is classic at that, it is also easy to pin the responsibility of caring for our aged parents on somebody else. If we can blame them for our problems, then we can blame others or, or pass on the responsibility for others to take care of them. And when we honor and care for our parents, however, we are serving God as well. The Bible says, honor widows who are really widows. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents, for it is good and acceptable before the Lord. I believe the primary responsibility for caring for older people and caring for parents is their family. If their family can't do it, or maybe is unwilling to do it, then others can step in. And I don't fault anyone for stepping in under those circumstances, but the responsibility is first placed in the family. It goes on and says a little later, but those who won't care for their own relatives, especially those of the same household, have denied what we believe and are worse than an infidel. First Timothy chapter 5, verses 3, 4, and 8. Now, not, not all elderly people want or, or need constant care from their children. They may prefer to live independently in their own homes. And I believe as long as they choose to and can, that is usually best because there is a dignity factor here. It's kind of like the story, it's good to help an old person across the street unless they don't want to cross the street. It's good to have people in care facilities if that's what's best for them, but not simply because it's what's best for us. But regardless of the circumstances, we still have an obligation to them. If they are in need of financial assistance, we are to help them. If they need a place to stay, we should provide that. If they are sick, we should see that they are cared for. If they need help with their household or yard work, we should step up and assist. And if they are under the care of a nursing home facility, and that sometimes is best, we should be diligent in making sure they are getting the care there that they deserve. My experience is visit them as often as you can and don't visit them at the same time every day. Because nursing home people learn when you're coming. Go at different times. In Leviticus 19 and 32 it says, You shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man. And fear your God, I am the Lord. Notice, honor the old man. It's not age specific. We continue to honor, whether it's our young parents, our middle-aged parents, or our older parents. And no elderly person should have to grieve their losses alone and die without loving care. May God help us to learn that the legacies that we are left and that we leave are not monies. The things that are left behind are memories. Their love, their lessons that are left within. And we should never allow our busyness or selfishness to overshadow the things that are most important. 
Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Adult children have the important responsibility of making sure that their parents are cared for. I don't believe any Christian can approach it any differently. The Bible says that adult Christians should put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and repaying their parents. And that is pleasing to the Lord, 1 Timothy 5 and 4. Remember the account, it's, it's a couple of times I believe in the New Testament, Mark chapter 7, where the Jews were saying, well, we'd take care of our parents, but we, we donated all our, committed all of our finances to the Lord, called Corbin. Well, that was a, a way of weaseling out of responsibility for anything because they would keep the money until they died. Well, they didn't need it then. And Jesus clearly condemns that. He clearly condemns that in his exhortation with them. So what practical advice from the Bible could help us as we try to care for our parents or elderly relatives or elderly brothers and sisters in the church that we have an opportunity? Well, I've already mentioned this one and it's been mentioned several times. Honor them. Honor our fathers and our mothers. Honor them by allowing them to maintain as much independence as their abilities permit. And I think that is very crucial. To the extent possible, let them make their own decisions about their care. At the same time, show them honor by doing what you reasonably can to assist them. My personal experience, my dad died rather quickly, so I don't have a lot on that, on this issue. But my mom, I would go to her and say, these are our options. What do you think we should do? And sometimes she'd tell me what she thought we should do, and we would do it. But she was such a gracious mom that she would often look at me and say, what do you think I should do? Well, that put a little pressure on me, but it sure eased the transition. So I would tell her what I would do, and she said, oh, that sounds good. But sometimes it doesn't go that smoothly. You know that from observations. Be understanding and forgiving. Proverbs 19.11, the inside of a man certainly certainly slows down his anger and it is a beauty on his part to overlook an offense. Sometimes elderly parents or elderly people say something unkind that seems that they don't appreciate your care. And maybe they don't. Cut them some slack. Cut them some slack. Consult with others. Proverbs 15.22 Without counsel, Purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Do research on what your parents' needs are. Talk with others who have cared for elderly parents. There are a lot of people here that have gone through this process before you and I went through it. They might have some some help, some encouragement. If you have siblings, you might consider discussing your parents' needs. Sometimes that's helpful and sometimes it's not helpful. But to the extent it is, It's a reality. Be realistic. Recognize your limitations. How much can you actually do for your parents? If you find yourself overwhelmed with demands for caring for elderly parents, consider asking for help. Nothing wrong with asking for help. Does the Bible say that we should care for our elderly parents at home? Well, in Bible times, that was primarily what was probably done. I don't know that they had nursing homes and care facilities and and all of the facilities that we have today. 
But I don't know that there is a command that says you must take them in. I think that's a, a nice thing. I keep referencing my mother, but that's my only experience. We brought her up from Nixa, and she didn't have any place to live, so she stayed with us for about six weeks. After about the fourth week, she came out from her bedroom and said, don't you think it's about time I got my own place? And she was right. She needed the space. And we kind of was glad for that. But she was still able to do it. And it was a dignity thing with her. I want to also comment on something else I was asked to comment on. What if the parent is really not worthy of honor? Do we have to honor someone that's not worthy of honor? And there are people that it doesn't, at least by their performance, aren't worthy of honor. One of my dearest friends and closest Christian brothers, he's an officer in the church now. He was raised by what you and I would call not a good mother. I won't call her a prostitute, but she just had man after man after man after man to the extent he was removed from the home and he told me he spent his growing up years in about 10 or 12 different foster homes. Eventually she got old and needed help. And to this man's credit, and I don't know if I would be a good enough person to have done what he did, he bought her a house, a modest house. He bought her a house, he put her in it, and he visited her frequently until she died. Not because she deserved honor as a person based on her performance, but she deserved honor because of her position as a parent. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, it tells us to honor the king. Most kings aren't Christians. Most kings don't behave themselves in a moral or ethical manner. And yet we're told to honor the king. Why? Not because of their performance, but because of their position. God has established our parents as our parents. And that position is what we need to honor, just like we need to honor the government, just like we need to honor the the king, as we are told to do in that particular arena. If a child honors an unworthy or unkind or maybe even almost an unfit parent, they do so because they recognize God has appointed them to hold that position of authority and honor, regardless of their performance. And God is a sovereign God who knows best. Honoring our parents does not always mean that the child does what his parents want. As they get older, they may not know what's best for them, and that's a judgment you have to make. One of the most difficult things that many people will will comment on is, is getting them to quit driving. You know, driving is a special place in the American heart. Teenagers can't wait to drive so they can be independent. And old people hate to give up driving because they view that as giving up independence. And I understand that. I would love for somebody to drive me all the time and I never had to get behind the wheel. But you give me another 10 years and I'll probably resist it because there's an independence factor. If you're blessed with parents who say, I know it's time for me to quit driving, jump on it. But sometimes these can be real tussles. Those of us, as we get older, we need to understand, we need to make it as easy for our children to care for us as possible and not be stubborn, not be selfish. 
A young child has to assume his parents are right and he obeys them. That's not the case that we find when we're dealing with honoring our parents. Many parents who have aged, they sometimes age to the point of becoming confused, disoriented, and even rebellious. And it causes us and them to find ourselves in awkward positions of disciplining our parents. Honoring our parents may someday require parenting our parents. That's just a fact. It's an irony, but I believe it is a fact. The parents that once fed and diapered the child may in the last days of their life be fed and diapered by their children. It's a fact. Is it a pleasant fact? No, but it's still a fact. Sometimes parents will become cross and difficult, just like we were when we were kids. They may make demands on us and our family that seem impossible. And if allowed to do so, could even damage our home life. As we spend so much time caring for them that we maybe neglect our own wife and children. A tremendously prayerful balance is needed. Well, I believe there are at least three factors that are take a high priority in terms of our best action or guiding action for our parents as I wrap this up. First of all, I believe we as their children have an obligation to preserve life as long as we can and make it as comfortable. That does not necessarily mean that we have to artificially prolong the death process, but it does mean that we need to provide the necessities of life, food, oxygen, fluids must be provided. If we do that and the Lord takes them or they pass along, then that's the will of God as far as I'm concerned. Secondly, we must seek to provide as much physical and emotional comfort as possible. The setting should be one that is familiar and as pleasant as possible. This may or may not mean keeping parents in our own home. It may mean placing them in a facility where professional care is available. And thirdly, I believe that honoring our parents requires that we maintain as much dignity for our parents as possible. And that is probably my my most heartfelt point. Dignity is important to everybody, young, middle-aged, or old. And we are to treat one another, especially our parents, with dignity. Life, comfort, and dignity. Sounds easy, but it's not always easy. It can sometimes wear on our patience. It can sometimes cause us to be at our wits end. It can come sometimes put new meaning to the phrase, parenting is hard. This only scratches the surface. But maybe in some way it broadens our vision beyond what Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security will afford our parents in their older years. And even if your parents have all of the finances, all of the material needs in their life, they're still what they need most of all is your love, your attention, and your respect. The commandment is is forcefully put forth in both the Old and the New Testament. George Washington Carver said, How far you go in life depends on being tender with the young, compassionate with the aged, 
sympathetic with the striving and tolerant of the weak and strong, because someday in life you will have been all of these. End quote. Probably almost all of us have walked down the hallway of a nursing home to see maybe a loved one or a brother and sister or a parent. And you see these people lined up along the hallway that maybe haven't, hardly ever have anybody come see them. And you can see in their faces, you've got time to talk to me. And I will admit, many times I'm on a mission to go see whomever I'm to go see. And I, my time, like yours, is limited. But what it would mean to them, we just had a little moment of compassion for them. And finally, remember that your children will learn how to care for their aging parents by watching how you cared for yours. That's not the primary motivator, but it is a reality. I've never sat down and told my boys how to take care of me when I get old. I'm sure they've shuddered at the thought, and rightly they should. But whatever they have learned from me anyway is not by my words. It's by watching what we did or tried to do. And it was a wonderful experience for them if I could just share a personal moment. Because I was often gone, still am often gone on the weekends. So how does my, how does grandma get to church? The boys always, they took turns. They always saw that grandma made it to church. And she told me time after time after time how precious those moments were to her. They didn't do it for that reason. But it was a wonderful experience to be able to take forth, take care of our older parents and those that need our help. Because someday it will be us. It will be it. We're going to close our thoughts and extend the gospel invitation. I don't know if this was a terribly evangelistic sermon, but it is in the sense that the gospel is taking care of one another. It's part of the family. It's part of the family. If you have brothers and sisters that need help and they don't have help, that's part of our job. But it certainly falls upon us as physical family first. Sometimes it's hard. And one final word to those of you that might be old. Make it as easy as you can on your children to help you. Because they love you and they want to. And you'll never regret those precious moments. We're going to close out our our service today with a closing song and a gospel invitation. If we can help anybody in any way or you have something you need to bring to the brethren or prayer requests, whatever they might be, we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.